Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, um, it snowed approximately like five inches or so this morning. Um, Did it? Okay. Yes, yeah. So I don't know what you got over on your side of the state. Um, this is the most Michigan conversation to have in the wintertime. It yeah, really is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's dense. It took me like 45 minutes to drop my kid off this morning. For some reason, every year, I convince myself that winter is only going to be like a week long this time. <laughs> and yeah. every year, I am just like shocked and dumbfounded come like end of January and February <laughs> that this is still going on. Like why? <laughs> yeah. By early June, you you can start to let your guard down in, yeah. in Michigan, but not probably before then. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was at a family event a little while ago in the Midwest, and there was a major winter storm that had been predicted to come in mm-hmm. like a couple days in it ahead. And every single conversation I had with any person started and mostly revolved around. So did you see, what do you think about this winter storm that's coming yes. in? Like there's this, <laughs> yep, yeah. If you live in the Midwest during the winter, the weather just becomes the single go-to topic you have. So yeah. It's like, I mean, if you were in, uh, just to relate it back to, to tabletop games, if you were in a town and every single conversation the party had with an NPC was like them them remarking on the snowstorm coming, <laughs> yes. you know, like your your uh, your adventuring party would be like, well, clearly there's some sort of blizzard that's going to be set up here, so we got to get prepared. Or they'd be like, just quit it. <laughs> yes. Quit it with the, the weather talk. But it's like, it's very, I don't know. Sometimes life is not well represented in, in role-playing yeah. games. Yeah. Chris, have you had this experience where... We live in the Midwest. We've grown up, you know, more or less with Midwesterners. Most of the Midwesterners I know will drive through nightmare blizzard conditions, Mm -hmm. six inches of black ice on the road, etc. Like without trouble, they will they will go out and do that to go get more uh, whatever paper towels uh, (laughs) from the grocery store. Right? It's always paper towels. Yes. But they are absolutely convinced that anyone besides themselves who goes out is risking their life and limb like it's the weirdest (laughs) like the toughest weather people in the world who express the greatest like timidity about other people being out in the weather i don't know (laughs) yes it's very true yeah it's like the i I don't know like i have these experiences i'm driving late and you know you see someone else on the road you're like what are you doing out here (laughs) what am i doing out here (laughs) same thing but uh okay anyway well that's enough like yeah deep midwestern talk in in midwestern fashion we have to begin this conversation yes you have to we probably should have had it off air but yeah um, we probably should have yeah, uh, so you recently finished up a book series, and you had posted a little bit of a, like, I don't know, a recap or review of it on Discord, and I wanted to just have you have you talk about that a little bit more. So it's, it's the, is it the Book of the New Sun? Yeah, it is. Is that the, is, the book or the series? It's yeah. the series. It's by Gene Wolfe. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a series called The Book of the New Sun. It consists of four novels, kind of four shortish novels. The total thing probably is in the vicinity of 800 pages. Mm -hmm. And I first, uh, uh, this is a well-regarded book series and kind of fantasy nerd circles. And so Mm -hmm. I uh, I first attempted it maybe a decade or so ago. Might have even been in a book group with you, Chris. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. And I bounced off of it pretty hard. And (laughs) I made at least another attempt in the last decade and just didn't make it very far in. But this time I just determined to stick with it. And I'm so glad I did. It, it's a remarkable work of fantasy literature. 
Yeah. And as I mentioned, I mean, I, I think it needs to be considered like an important work of fantasy, like up there with the greats. Yes. And I wanted to dig into that statement in particular, because that's, that is quite a statement. It It uh, is. Yeah. And it, like, I didn't, I don't know if I enjoyed it exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, so like, I have such, uh, and if you're listening and if you've read it, I suspect most people who have read it will kind of know what I mean when I say that, like, it it's difficult and it's sometimes like actively off-putting for various hmm. reasons. Okay. There's long stretch. The character is kind of unpleasant and he's not any less unpleasant by the time you get to the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's long stretches where it's often not really clear what's happening. Like okay. I was just lost. And at first I assumed this was because I just wasn't doing a good enough job of reading it, but I talked to one or two other people that had the exact same experience of like, yeah, I, I got through that chapter. I couldn't really even tell you what just happened. Huh? That sounds like the worst possible way to queue up my recommendation that you read it. <laughs> yes. But um, the, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if you had specific questions, feel free to ask. I would, mm-hmm. I would sum it up by saying it feels like an artistic achievement uh, more than it feels like an amazing story, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah. The craft of it, the mm-hmm. world building, the use of language, the the use of unreliability in the experiences the narrator is reporting to you. It, it, like the craft of it is very good. Mm-hmm. At no point was I really swept up in the story of the main character. But the end experience of it was that I had just witnessed something pretty remarkable and unique. So this reminds me, as you're talking to, talking about, it, I'm just thinking about Pynchon, right? Like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, like his his novels are similar similar for me, where everything that I've read by him, I'm like, this is something really cool is happening here, but like I don't like it. <laughs> like I don't like it kind of like one bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like what crying of lot. 49 i don't remember remember yes, the number um, i think so like that one i enjoyed that one's a shorter one i yeah. bounced really hard off gravity's rainbow for example like <laughs> yes. i got like 150 pages in i'm like this is a series of like absolutely wild like images and i don't want to spend any more time yeah. with any of the characters <laughs> yeah so it kind of sounds like it's it's similar in that way i guess like what is the value of Maybe this is a broader question, but I'll ask it more specifically about this. Like, so what what is the value of reading this book that it's hard to get through? Um, that makes you say, like, oh, this is something that, you know, if you are into into fantasy in a serious way, like you should really read this. Like what's what's the value that you get out of it? That's hard to answer. And it, it's hard to think of an answer I'll give that will make this sound fun or worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do want to say, I mean, I I'm glad I read it. I would yeah. when I finished it, I wanted to turn back to page one and start again and reread it. Okay with the knowledge I had gathered. You know, we talk a lot about world building in kind of fantasy gaming circles and how do you create a good setting? What is a what does a good setting look like? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that will will vary a lot. And I mean you have you have your kind of C. S. Lewis type Narnia settings where the setting has little consistency outside the line of sight of like the main characters, right? It's mm-hmm. it's like the setting exists to tell stories about these people yeah specifically then you have like kind of your tolkien's where yeah you care about the characters but in some ways middle earth feels like the main character the setting itself feels like the main character of those books as much as any individual character and 
I, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this exactly. It, I'll just say it is not often that fantasy swords and sorcery literature really challenges you to figure out what you're seeing and what is going on. Yeah. In sci-fi, this I feel like this is a little bit more common in sci-fi. You know, think of William Gibson. You get dropped into Neuromancer or the Peripheral, and like mm-hmm. he does, you have to work to figure out what's going on in some of those stories. Yeah, yeah like he sure. he makes you work for it. And I'm just not used to fantasy literature doing that. You know, I've read, you know, your Robert Jordans, and you know, name a fantasy author I've probably read. Mm-hmm. one of their you know trilogies or something like that and it's rare that those settings require me to figure them out and interpret them at the same pace that the protagonist is doing it if that makes sense like yes. there's no map at the beginning of book of the new sun <laughs> there's no like explanation of like the religion or the technology or anything like that and the main character uses terms that he his culture uses to talk about these things that are not the terms that we would use. Okay. Like, so I don't know. I mean, just, I'm going to make up a dumb example, but like he wouldn't, there's laser pistols in this series, but he doesn't use the word laser pistols. He uses a different word and you don't realize he's, it means laser pistol until a way well past, like when it was introduced to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. so there's just this continual process of like of every chapter I was adding something new to my ability to understand the setting. Hmm. And that was a lot of work and it's I mean it took me like a year to read these 800 pages. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but it was rewarding. That's why I said when I got to the end of the series, I felt like I had accumulated enough knowledge about the setting that I could go back and understand what was happening in those early parts where I had not yet accumulated that knowledge. That's fascinating. Cause I think a lot of fantasy fantasy sort of does a good job. I think of usually introducing you to five or 10 kind of concepts that have a different word in their fantasy setting. Right. Like I think yeah. there's a, a pretty famous XKCD about like the number of made up fantasy words you can have in a novel before I, before I quit, right. Right. Before I quit reading it. It's like, okay, so magic is called whatever, you know, madge in this, in this, in this scenario. Right. So you have like, it's almost like this substitution cipher for, for a lot of fantasy, but it sounds like this goes a step deeper where it's like, it's really more of like a cultural substitution. Yeah. There is this sense that I don't get from many fantasy novels that this same story could be told from the perspective of a different character in the story and would be a radically different experience. Hmm. Unreliable narrators are not, you know, anything unique and remarkable these days, but there is a certain joy in realizing like 500 pages in, like I'm getting weird vibes from this narrator. (laughs) I, I bet, you know, I think there's more going on than he is noted. It's not that he's like hiding or lying to me, the reader. It's not that kind of unreliable narrator where there's a big reveal that the narrator has been the murderer the whole time, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, that's fun too. But this is more like this kind of unreliable narrator is starting to notice the blind spots that the narrator has and starting to think about okay, I've just noticed this blind spot. Now I kind of have to think about everything that's happened up to this point with 
understanding that he has a blind spot in this area. Uh. And I mean, all I can just say is it's executed by the author Gene Wolfe very well. Okay. Um, so if that sounds, it's like a puzzle to crack. I mean, if, okay. if you are in the mood for a book that is going to be a puzzle that you have to work and put together, this is a great one. If you want, if you want a beach read, it's, you know, it's definitely not that. So, I mean, there's definitely been like years of my life where, well, I told you I bounced off this a couple of times. It, mm-hmm. it, you, There's definitely been times in my life where this is not what I wanted out of my fantasy literature. So, so I'm, I'm still rereading Lord of the Rings. Um, and so I'm in two towers and it's like, it's the, the segment where Frodo and Sam have met up with Gollum. Right. And they're like, they're going through the marshes and stuff. And they just made it to Mordor. Um, right. And like, talk about like a very, a very clear method of storytelling. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you mentioned, like Middle Earth is sort of the character. At the same time, like you never distrust sort of like Tolkien's grasp on like what's happening and what he's showing you. Yeah. Throughout that, any of the ambiguity is all in sort of the interpretation of the individual characters. But like, you sort of know at a higher level exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So this sounds like a very different experience that, yeah, the book. It is. It's told in the first person. So it doesn't have that omniscient voice that most fantasy books have. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't want to keep beating this. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you have read the book of the new sun, I have a feeling you're kind of nodding along to some of what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, and if you haven't you know i invite you to i invite you to read it with like the understanding that like you're gonna find the the main character to be gross you're gonna find the story to be like weirdly paced and confusing and stuff like that and (laughs) it's just a, it's just you know it's like it's like watching a a difficult movie you know you get to the end and you're glad you've done it um yeah yeah it's not always fun in the moment there were times when i almost put it down yeah, I mean, I think there is something to said about that that challenge of it. I mean, it does, I mean, right, like this is a gaming podcast. It does make me sort of wonder how you could bring some of those elements into a game that you're running. I mean, I'm yes. sure you have like a thousand ideas. Like part of it is I don't necessarily know if I want my gaming to be unpleasant in any way. Yeah. Right? Like I, I think I'm okay with it being challenging, but I don't know like where that line is between challenging and unpleasant. Exactly. Right. I think it might be so different for every individual at the table that it'd be basically impossible to yeah. to thread that needle. But I don't know. Yeah. Is there anything from from Book of the New Sun where you're like, oh, this would be a really good thing that you could you could bring to the table that might add some some challenge or ambiguity or even just like a little side puzzle for your players. Those are some good insights, Chris. I have a, I have a few disparate thoughts that I don't know if they really rise to the level of like being an insider point. Yeah. But so. It, this made me think about the way in RPGs that we define the worlds that we're adventuring in. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this, it, it's it's put into contrast a little bit for me, the difference between in ye old days, you bought a 400 page hardcover book about the Forgotten Realms that like had all the lore of the Forgotten Realms. And the your players travel through the Forgotten Realms and they they experience pieces and parts of it you know they they never read the whole 400 pages they they don't have mm-hmm. total knowledge of it by contrast you know like there's a definite trend in modern games games that i love to kind of do sort of what you might call collaborative world building um right. and it it just made me think you know the book of the new sun is the ultimate like gm who has a 400 page word document of background lore about this setting and he won't let you read it 
will, you know he will <laughs> yes, only yeah. and you have to uh you have to figure out what this world is all about through like your interactions with it right mm-hmm. a very kind of quote hardcore experience in that respect it's like the opposite of okay you come to a town uh you know jane tell me what you see when you come through the front gate yeah. you know also a wonderful type of gaming produces a very different relationship to the setting and to mm-hmm. some extent i mean it kind of the question of does this setting have an independent existence outside of you the characters or does it mostly exist to kind of be the backdrop against which your players do something interesting that is a good distinction to make i think yeah um and i know like you've been you've been playing long enough to these games to where i think you've sort of seen that evolution happen <clears throat> excuse me yeah. so like where we're sort of i came in on the the hobby was i think a bit where like this sort of more collaborative narrative focus um i think is just sort of like the, the default setting uh, yeah. i would almost say um these days or you would at least at, at the very least a gm i think these days would know to to say up front like no i have a 400 page word document <laughs> ahead of time right like to, yeah. to sort of prep your players for that um you know if you were starting with a with a brand new group of like you know like more along the lines of like no like this is the established setting like we're not negotiating like this that and the other yeah um part of me is really compelled by the idea of playing in that sort of setting of like i don't know like of the gm being like you pick up a strange object and you're like well what is the strange object it's like i don't know try to try pushing the button see what happens yeah right like i'm not just going to tell you everything you know or like ask someone else in in the world you know i think that's like there's there's something about that that is really neat and i think gets at almost i think some of the promise of what like video game role playing has Mm. like always sort of dangled in front of players of like yeah this constant like oh you can sort of do whatever you want and you have to figure it all out then i think like it's it's strange it's like role-playing games sort of influence computer games that and computer games think they're doing something that role-playing games are doing but they just never quite actually get get there you know it's like that's just very like give and take um give and take nature there but yeah so i don't know back to like what you were saying though i mean it is it is interesting. I mean, would you ever try to write that sort of setting? Was that is that your? I mean, these days, would you ever sit down and write that four hundred page lore document? Well, it, you know, interesting question. You know, when I was younger, that was my model for how you GM'd. You had a folder of notes about your setting that were private to you, mm-hmm. and that that was the model for the setting. And like you said, I mean, I'm an old. I'm an ancient person and I've been around long <laughs> enough to see, I'm sure there's exceptions, but you really don't, you know, you go in the game store, you really do not see 400 page books explaining somebody's home setting the way you did mm-hmm. in like the late eighties or early nineties. Yeah. We were having a parallel conversation, Chris, recently about, I'm, I won't name names here, but we were talking about sort of a, a well-known kind of author and GM who advocates this sort of, um, really harsh demanding gm style mm-hmm. of um you know throw the players in the deep end of your of your world of your scenario and i don't lift a finger to help them um in any way not mechanically not content wise not you know thematically and like one you have the sense that like for for people that want that experience of being thrown into the deep end and fighting against the current to piece i'm mixing all kinds of metaphors here yeah (laughs) to 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 piece together an understanding uh, of what they're doing 
I bet those people talk about that game campaign for the rest of their lives. Um, And I bet that like 98% of people in that campaign, like quit the campaign or or just nope out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, these days as a, you know, as a grown old person GM, I, I basically don't, even if I had the inclination, I don't, you know, I don't have the, I don't have the time. I don't have the, the time or space or the benefit of the doubt to, to do that first one. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though like I can imagine how awesome it would be. I can imagine how awesome, how, how amazed my players would be if, you know, after two years, they get to the end of this like really hard campaign to run and we all look back and, and we have a lifelong memory that we've created, right? I don't feel yeah. like I have the bandwidth to, like, I can't take that risk. So I do, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I feel lately, and by lately, I mean, like, the last decade or so, you know, like, when I think about GMing, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about things like, how can this tonight session be a really fun, self-contained experience? I guess maybe I'm, you know, I'm lamenting a little bit the leeway you have when you're young and you don't have responsibilities and you can game four nights a week to embark on these like more demanding experiences that no one who values their time will ever put up with right yeah and i haven't even touched i haven't even touched on like kind of beyond the time i haven't even touched on the other ways that you know like the book of the new new the new sun has content in it that is like upsetting Mm-hmm. And it is only by trusting that the author had something worthwhile to say, did I not be like, this character is gross and I don't want to spend any more time in his brain. I'm going to put this down. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I powered on yeah. because I knew from context and from people telling me, yeah, keep at it. It's worth it. You know, that that is very far from the sort of experience I would want or dare to present to my players these days. Do you have any thoughts about that? she's so many i mean so i did a uh you know so i, I did a english major that was my undergrad education um and I just, I just as we're talking i just keep on thinking about like challenging books that i've read like books that sort of like stretch you a little bit i just like i i both think that there is value in like capital l literature and i also think that it is like a bunch of hogwash and that you should just sort of read whatever you want to (laughs) at the same time it's just like this very complicated like highbrow versus lowbrow stuff is something i think about constantly it's like you know like i i don't think anyone should feel bad for enjoying the super bowl at the same time like i don't enjoy the super bowl (laughs) right it's just like this this very complicated sense of like yes but like i could watch that or i could spend four hours doing something else you know something else with my life but i'll probably also just watch the super bowl because it's like a cultural event too you know and it's like you in some ways you can kind of i think you can take that mentality and sort of yeah you can fit it on top of literature you can fit it on top of gaming as well it's like there is something about playing games that like stretch you in ways that you did not expect them to stretch you that is so valuable like i mean like the first time that you play if you've only played D, the first time you play sort of like a collaborative narrative world building game like the first time you play like um yeah like the quiet year for example like that is like a like third eye opening experience i think for for a lot of people it definitely was for me it's like oh my goodness you can you can have sort of the same amount of fun doing this thing that's drastically different that's going to like stretch these muscles in a different way like and just like mentally give you just like this expansive experience 
do you have to play it? No, like you could also just keep playing D and D, right? So it's like this, like I mean, you know, partly I think we're talking about like what's what's the value in like having different human experiences yeah. here, and like I think like I don't know, like if you are a person that is sort of uh, in, enraptured by the life of the mind, right? Of like of of learning new things, I think something like the challenge of of like Andy on this podcast saying like here's a difficult book that you're not going to enjoy, but you're going to get something out of. Like, I mean, you know, I think most of our listeners are probably like intrigued by that. Not, not, <laughs> not turned yeah. off. Like I'm definitely intrigued by it. Like, you know, this is not the right time in my life to pick up a book like that, but like, you know, maybe in a year or two, like that sounds like a, a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. But then like with, with gaming in particular, it's like, I don't know. Like I think back to the stuff that I remember from games is it's all the things like where things go wrong or there's like a clever reveal or like you are delighted by something that someone else does at the table. And for me, it's like, you know, any game that can kind of maximize those things, like that's the sort of stuff that I want to be playing. And like, if the way to get to that is with a GM who sits there typing, typing away at night until 2 AM coming up with notes and be like, Oh my goodness. Like Andy's going to love it. Like when I do this, that, or other twist, it's like, I mean, that's like, that's super cool. Like, and I, I do wonder, yeah, do we lose something when it's like, if we're, if we're playing games where we're constantly sort of looking back to our players and saying like, yeah, like, what do you see when you come to the city rather than being like, you come into the city and like the smell assaults your, your senses. Like you, you know, you see in front of you, like, right. You're just like, you're building that world in front of them too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tricky to, it's tricky. I think to find that balance and like, yeah, part of me, yeah, I think, and this is my last thought and then I'll kind of shut up is that, um, you know, like I almost wonder if like, Treating gaming like not uh, a thing that you were like, I'm only going to play D&D the rest of my life. It's like, you know, right now I'm playing this game and like next time I might want to try this lore based 400 page, you know, 400 pages of notes game. And then after that, I want to go back and play the quiet year 10 times in a row. And like, right, like it's, you know, like I think treating it less like a, I am a D&D player and more like I am a, a player of games, right? Like a, someone who likes to explore kind of the range of what's what's out there. You said something like, what do you lose when you take a certain approach? And, you know, the answer is you you lose something no matter what you choose mm-hmm. to focus on. If you yeah. choose to do your 400 pages of backstory that the players will never learn, yeah. uh, but it informs, you know, <laughs> you, you, you lose something. If you choose the, you know, okay, someone tell me what the name of the capital city is uh Mm -hmm. tell me what you see when you go through the town gate you lose something with that too but i mean Mm -hmm. obviously you gain something from each of those (laughs) right so when you choose how you approach it the question is not is there a perfect rpg experience that i am taking sacrificing or taking something away by Mm. choosing to do that this way and it's more like what is the experience that i want the experience you want is, is informed by it's like your personal preferences is informed by what your players want. It's informed by how often you'll be able to play, how seriously your players are going to take it. You know, all of those things, none of those things are a, a good or a bad thing. They're just variables that go that, you know, that go into your decision to run the game that you decide to run. Right. So, mm-hmm. and whatever you choose, I mean, I, I always have this like nagging, grass is greener on the other side of the fence no matter what type of game i'm running you know I, there is always a sense of like well what if this game had more you know spontaneity and player creativity mm-hmm. that i could call on or th- there's always something that i'll feel like that's missing but that's mm-hmm. that's just how it is and and the the right way to approach that is 
what am I gaining from the approach I'm taking or yeah. what can I gain? Right. Yeah. I, I one That's final cool. note I, on this, I, I think of um, reading the book of the new sun made me think a lot about the video game, uh, dark souls and yeah. other souls borns, you know, yes. th- think Go about <laughs> there, there were, there were some debates, some of them quite dumb in the video gaming community that, uh, in some ways I felt were like a particularly, like a particularly clear example of some a more subtle discussions and thoughts that go on in tabletop gaming. Anyway, so like Dark Souls, what that you have beaten Dark Souls, you powered right, you powered through it, mm-hmm. you went in, you went in blind, you beat the super hard things, you bashed your head up against it, and you beat it. And like, does that feel good? Yeah, it feels, it, great. It feels so good, right? Yeah. It, and there's so much awesomeness comes from your experience of doing that you can i mean i've done it too and and i feel like i have a kinship with you we can mm-hmm. we have this shared experience of a difficult thing that we that we powered through whatever right? mm-hmm. what about a person that gets stuck on the first boss of dark souls it's very easy to do i was stuck mm-hmm. on the first bar- boss of dark souls for like i uh, for a really long time a yeah, really yeah. long time yeah same here. uh so what about someone that gets stuck on the first boss and quits is it worth it that dark souls is uncompromisingly difficult because some people will get to the end of it and have a truly transcendent gaming experience but whatever x percent of people are going to bounce off of it without mm-hmm. seeing any of that that's a kind of what i wrestle with sometimes with these questions you know like mm-hmm. obviously there's value in making something impenetrable in making people work hard for it yeah. but the like flip side of that coin is if it doesn't work then like no one enjoys no <laughs> one gets anything out of it right yeah. yeah like so if you just quit on the first boss dark souls you know it's just you've just wasted your time you got nothing out of this like artifact that is dark souls so mm-hmm. like people talk about this in the video game community of they like should there be a way to make these games easier you know and you have people that have powered through it going no the value was in mm-hmm. working through it and not ever having the option of changing the difficulty to easy and like yeah. i i resonate i understand i understand that perspective i also mm-hmm. understand the people that are like well but it's a difference of that or just not playing and seeing this game at all yes yeah yeah, that is a, a fantastic point. It's um Yeah, it's like with with recommending Dark Souls or recommending Book of the New Sun or recommending, I don't know, like yeah, some impenetrable, you know, RPG. <clears throat> Excuse me, like recommending Ars Magica or whatever, right? Like there is an element of like when you're doing that recommendation, like, yeah, will it connect with that person? Yeah, it's the same thing with the games that you're gonna run for your friends, right? It's gotta be like it's gotta be something they're gonna connect with. Like yeah, like you were like just mentioning the th- idea of like yeah the four hundred pages of notes of of lore notes, like there's for sure friends that I have that I would absolutely never suggest that to, and other friends that'd be like, look what we're gonna do, and they'd be like yes, like you know hyped up, <laughs> yeah. hyped up for it, right? And it's yeah, so but uh, yeah, and I don't know if I don't know we'll we'll leave it with this this kind of like this this statement like I don't know if if that sort of challenge should be tailored to be like a universal thing right like i don't know if you like if it should be a universal thing where everyone needs to read book of the new sun everyone needs to read ulysses right like you know pick yeah pick whatever hard thing everybody needs to play this that or the other campaign stuff can be for different people yeah which is maybe maybe the thesis of the show yeah (laughs) comes down to it but 
yeah but we need to wrap up we have gone 10 minutes longer than we uh, agreed to <laughs> yes. agreed to before we started but yeah this was great thank you so much andy for sharing your thoughts on on that i know um like yeah even trying to articulate that like i can tell it's it's like kind of hard to articulate like how <laughs> how and why you should read that but i think this was a really good conversation um that came out of it yeah well you know if you're listening and you have if you have a, had a role-playing game that made you work extra hard for it and yeah i would love you know was it worth it was it not worth it you know i'd, I'd love i'd like to hear stories so, so. yeah yeah so for sure. please reach out to us if you have, have something along those lines yeah okay cool all right well uh roll for topic is part of the roll for it media podcasting network our sister show the splat book with john Corey and kyle latino um is great uh yeah i think see the past couple episodes that have come out i think annie was on um i think kyle's getting back into the swing of things after some some busy stuff but uh yeah Go ahead and check them out. Um, I'm really excited. Kyle's Project Monstrous um, that he did with Cloud Curio uh, is, uh, I think that the PDF just dropped for that. Um, so I'm really excited. I've decided to not look at the PDF yet. I'm going to wait for the physical book before I can mm. flip through that. Yeah, uh, I think it's just be absolutely delightful. So yeah, go check that out. I think they just opened pre-orders actually. So if you missed the Kickstarter and you were feeling left out, you can now go order, order a copy of the book for Monstrous. Just check out the Cloud Curio website. Yeah, um, awesome. So yeah, I think that does about it. It does it uh, for us. So. Yeah. Can I, yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to uh, quickly pitch something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a person who's been on our show a couple times in the past and who has joined me as a guest when I've been a guest on the spot book, uh, Matt, mm-hmm. he just uh, recently wrote a really good essay on his website about, it is ostensibly sort of a review of the Delta green campaign, impossible oh, yeah. landscapes. Yeah. But it is also kind of a larger discussion about what elements go into running a good, um, a good campaign that draws on sort of that side of Lovecraft's work. And he talks about other games that have tackled it, other RPGs and some non RPGs. And, uh, well, I'll put his link in the, in the show notes, but the, the website's hypomodern.com. So yeah. I, Go, go check it out. I really enjoyed reading his latest essay. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I should read that. Um, I, I've played in a number of Matt's games. He's a very thoughtful GM. Um, yeah, although I should probably ask you if there's any spoilers for the, the Eternal Lies campaign I'm playing. I, I think what spoilers... No, not for Eternal Lies. Okay. And what spoilers there are, he kind of... They're mild and he flexes okay. them, so... Cool, yeah. All right, okay. Well, I think that does it for us. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um, yeah, again, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. Remember, if your player's having fun, you're a great GM. Yeah.